most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin. A.K.A. MMA Anomaly and Emiliano, A.K.A. Jive Turkey Nano. Is up, fight fans. Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. You heard the man. I'm the host, Olin, A.K.A. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, brother? Doing great, brother. Feeling good. It is officially November 1st, and I guess we are a household where we are now transitioning into Christmas already. Love Halloween. Love this time of year. We got a lot of festivities, but holiday season's ahead of us, man. I'm excited. It's beginning as be. to look a lot like Christmas. Please don't DCMA us. We do not know that. I love that. I'm going to be honest with you. I am a big holiday guy in general. Um, we've had this conversation numerous times, I believe. My favorite holiday just passed. It was uh, yesterday. That's right. It was uh, Halloween. So love Halloween. It's the one excuse you get to be someone you're not. You know what I mean? You get to dress up as a comic book superhero or UFC fighter or I don't know, whatever you want to dress up as a princess, a Barbie, a Ken doesn't matter whatever you want to dress up as we believe here at the mma anomaly show no filter you are enough or whatever they say in the barbie movie um (laughs) that being said guys i hope everybody had a fantastic halloween oh thanks thanks miss mary i appreciate that she said but you are a superhero (sighs) oh you're the real heroes as homelander says speaking of which gen v season finale tonight can't wait, guys. Can't wait. Let's go. I'm stoked. Oof, I'm stoked. Um, so getting sidetracked here. We do have quite a few things to talk about in this episode. And uh, usually we start at the bottom of the fight cards here in the UFC. And we work our way all the way up to the top to the main event of the evening. But this is a little bit of a, a little bit of a hodgepodge, a little bit of a mixer. Catalina wine mixer, as they say. So, uh, you know, since it's a Catalina wine mixer, we're actually going to go ahead and start with some fireworks, folks. <laughs> So we are going to jump right up the bat and talk about Francis Ngannou going in there against Tyson Fury. And let us know in the chat, guys, what were your thoughts on the fight? How did you score it? Um, did you honestly see that fight going that way? Um, because, because, like, yeah. No, no, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and take the lead on this one, brother. Uh, no. I mean, to answer your question, brother, I did not. I was thoroughly and uh, pleasantly surprised to see Francis Ngannou representing himself, representing the UFC, uh, UFC slash MMA community. <laughs> I was all over the place there. Uh, but just, man, great performance and an ex- exciting night. Um, I mean, man, I'm excited to break down the fight with you, brother, because, again, there was a lot of takeaways 
again, Nganu, to me, shocked the world and earned a bunch of credibility back for everybody out there, right? This isn't some um, YouTube influencer boxing, right? And this isn't a a retired Nate Diaz. This isn't a retired Ben Askren, okay? This is a Francis Ngannou, a pound-for-pound striker, someone who started off his career in boxing. A lot of people forget that. So... It showed, man, that high guard, like you're telling me I need to work on as well, keeping those hands up and ultimately leading to what felt like life uh, turned into slow motion for a quick second. But Nganu's knockdown, man, was just a thing of beauty, countering off the one, two, slipping that left counter hook, which I was frustrated to hear that Tyson was claiming it was behind the head and was dismissing it. Brother, no, it was not. You fell to your side. You had that look on your face. You knew. I mean, that was on the temple right above that big old dome there. It was not on the back of the head. Let's be honest. Um, So that was a little perturbed me a bit. But again, all in all, it was a phenomenal fight. Exceeded my expectations. Uh, It was obvious that Tyson underestimated Francis throughout the entire fight. And although some people are mad that uh, Francis lost, I, I... I, I can't sit here with a with a full heart, you know, hand to God. Like if there's a lie detector here, I, I wouldn't be able to say that he won full consciously. I, I have to look at the scoring. And although Francis shocked me and, you know, as much as I want to maybe take in the odds or take in some of the exterior narratives, the reality is you got to just take each round as it is and, and be true. And And the reality was it was very low scoring, low. Uh, I should say low striking numbers. So it's hard to judge those rounds, but it felt after that knockdown, Tyson was still able to do enough throughout the remaining, I believe it was maybe six or seven rounds to, to win that decision. Um, I think it was close. Uh, I was similar to some of the judges there, like 90, I think it was 95, 94. Um, but I had to go on Tyson Fury close, but uh, Francis just didn't do enough down the stretch Tyson was still able to counter, still look sharp down the, at the end and was able to get his one-twos home. Stiff jab and, and just those punches were starting to land and wear on Francis as well. Um, the last thing I wanted to touch on was just the overall production was just really bad, man. I mean, I only tuned in for a little bit of the co-main and then the main event, but it, it's brutal watching something like that. I mean, you know, Vince McMahon is there, owner of the WWE, like now partnered with the UFC. I mean, you would hope that someday they get it together there because it's just, it's tough. Some of the downtime, the awkward dead DJ songs that are playing and it just like nothing about it flows well. Complete flop. I mean, we got to call a spade a spade. It's always, it's not like it's something new. It's always been like this. Any showtime or the zone event, it's just not worthy of a pay-per-view UFC or WWE. I mean, it is levels. Don't watch any of those and then try to watch one of these events. It is bad, bad news bears, man. It's crazy. But overall, man, I mean, again, I love what Francis did. He shocked the world. I think he earned a lot of credibility. I'd love to see if he potentially just dives right into boxing based off that performance. I mean, hell that'd give me all the freaking confidence in the world. If he didn't have it already. Um, but I, I just think Tyson did enough boxing wise to, edge out on the judge's scorecard wish francis would have done more to really solidify it but again you know boxing is a little corrupt unfortunately i knew they weren't gonna give francis the the 
you know, 50, 50 decision. It was going to be leaning Tyson Fury no matter what. Um, but curious to hear your thoughts, brother. Cause that was a fun event. I mean, at least a fun fight that exceeded my expectations. <laughs> Completely agree with that breakdown, man. Uh, it, it was a fight that definitely exceeded my expectations. I, you know, part of me wanted to pull an Ariel Hawani and pull the receipts on all the people that talk trash about, uh, you know, Francis and Ganu not being able to do anything against Tyson Fury. And if I would have actually gone through the effort of doing that, um, and the risk of getting strikes from other people's channels and such from doing that, um, I would have had to have thrown a, a clip of us from previous episodes into that same montage of us basically saying we didn't really think he had much of a chance in there. And that's from us who are obviously two fans of Francis and Ganu. Like we enjoy the man. We think he's a great fighter, but I think it's okay. When you say that we were wrong, right? Like I thought Tyson Fury was going to go out there and walk all over him, but that was just not what Francis had in mind. And man, I, I mean, looking at the stats, the stats are almost misleading. If you go and you look at the fight, right? Like Tyson Fury landed 11 versus six in the first round, seven versus six in the second round, three versus, or he landed one versus seven in round three. So Tyson Fury only landed one shot in round three and he got dropped in that round. If you remember. So that was the most one-sided round I've ever seen in boxing that didn't end in a knockout. So that has to be a 10-8 round, right? Um, if it's a 10-8 round, I think the, the best way to decide this is that it was a draw. In my humble opinion, I think going into those last two rounds, it was pretty much anybody's fight for the taking. And I don't think Tyson did enough to really sway the judges or shouldn't have really been seen doing enough to sway the judges like in round nine he landed three power punches out of six thrown and ganu landed one sure but the round before and ganu outlanded him on power punches the round before that and ganu outlanded him on power punches the round before that and ganu outlanded him on power punches are you getting a trend here oh and they matched each other on power punches landed in the final round the total shots landed in the final round were only two difference it was not a, a huge um velocity driven fight right like these guys were throwing calm collected shots you're talking about over 500 pounds of man in there going head to head against one another so come on you, you can't expect like 100 strikes to be thrown even um there were barely that many thrown from each side of the uh, from each side of the fence right so if you ask me i i really thought francis Ngannou had done just enough to win the fight but i also knew that they weren't going to let the new guy to boxing get the W, especially not on the judges' scorecards. So I wasn't upset, and I didn't think it was a robbery that Tyson Fury ended up getting that win, right? Um, but even in losing, I think it's safe to say that Francis Ngannou was the clear winner of the overall war, right? Like, he came out with more fans. He came out looking like a stud, and he also proved that he can do this. Um, I mean... I think boxingrec.com or whatever gave him like a half a star rating and put him at 590th, which is absolutely asinine and ridiculous. Um, considering he just went toe to toe and put on the best match we've ever seen against the lineal heavyweight champion of the world. So put some respect on his name. Um, I don't know if you have any, any names on the tip of your tongue. I have a name on the tip of my tongue. Um, I have two names on the tip of my tongue really, but uh, curious. Do you have anybody? 
I mean, it's tough to say, man. I mean, I know he's had an exchange with Deontay Wilder. They respect each other. I don't know if that's too big of a shot to to shoot for Francis. If it's just like, hey, throw him right in the middle of contention. Like you said, he's ranked in the 500. So maybe there's a, a better name. Maybe maybe it's you know getting dialed in in a training camp for six months to a year and then getting into a big bout again or just getting right back in there. I mean, the reality is he has a puncher's chance against anybody in the world. He's just knocked down, like you said, the lineal heavyweight champion currently and one of the modern-day greats in the boxing uh, sport. So I'm curious to hear your name. Now, I mean, other than Deontay Wilder, it's tough for me to, to pick somebody. It's like, you know, maybe maybe he needs to get a couple just regular boxing bouts in. What do you think of that, brother? So I couldn't disagree more. I don't think he needs to get any more boxing belts in. I, I think um, boxingrec.com or whatever that, that website is that ranked him 580th, they got it wrong. Um, he should be a top 10 ranked WBC boxer. Uh, and I think it's got to be Deontay Wilder next. But we all know Anthony Joshua will beg and grovel for the fight because he needs the money or he wants the money and he thinks he's a contender. Um, when in all reality, we've seen him get knocked out by the flabby guy that looks like the Hispanic uncle at anybody's quinceanera. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Come on. Andy uh, Ruiz. So, Andy Ruiz. Like Andy, my let's go. <laughs> go I knew you knew exactly what I was talking about. So, um, thank you for that. Great job. Um, so, I mean, we've seen him get knocked out by that guy who looked like he didn't even have a real training camp. Uh, we know that if that guy can knock him out, Francis can kill him in there. And, Let's not fail to mention that Dana White literally said before the fight happened that he had no interest in watching this fight. You know, this wasn't a realistic fight that uh, Tyson Fury should be focused on fighting real fighters or real boxers. That uh, and, and he literally was like, you know, I heard Anthony Joshua talking about this fight the other day and he was he was calling it a gimmick fight. And that's what it is. It's a gimmick fight. I don't know if you heard, but um, Anthony Joshua's boss was basically saying, oh, yeah, you know, we'd like to see the uh, we'd like to see the uh, Anthony Joshua versus uh, Francis Ngani fight. He looked pretty good in there against Tyson Fury. Now, all of a sudden, Eddie Hearn's all about it. Eddie Hearn was also calling it a gimmick fight before this. So, like, if I'm Francis Ngannou, I'm like, no, thank you. I'm a gimmick. Um, so I don't want to fight you. I'd hate to water down your product with a gimmick fight. Deontay Wilder, come get these hands. I love it. Any of those names, man. I love it. Wilder, Anthony Joshua, even that boy Andy Ruiz. I mean, you know, a bunch of Mexicans will be tuned into that. There's a lot of boxing fans. So why not, man? Run it. Oh, even Usyk, potentially. He was in the crowd. Maybe he was more impressed by uh, what Francis was showing instead of Tyson Fury. I love that shout out, Eric. It's a good call out, brother. I'm not mad at that. And welcome to the chat, Eric. Always happy to see you, my brother. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like, again, I would have been happier if this was considered a draw and then they just got the instant rematch after this. Again, power punches total landed and Ganu outlanded him 37 to 32. Um, he also was the more active fighter. He threw far more punches. Uh, when it comes to total jabs landed, obviously Fury was the longer man in the exchanges. He outlanded him 39 to 22 in total jabs. In total overall punches, 71 to 59. So, again, I can see the argument for Fury. If you break it down round by round, though, I, I think Ngannou 
just barely walked away with it. So in my humble opinion, um, I, I would have been happier with a draw or Fury getting, or uh, sorry, Nganu getting it, but we all knew that wasn't going to happen. So moving on, we do have a bit of a UFC card to break down here. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. UFC Brazil. First time since uh, January of this year, so it's been a little bit of a little bit of a, a slumber since you know Bra- the Brazil fans have gotten a chance to showcase all the talent that they have there. Man, a lot of homegrown dogs. So I'm excited to break it down with you, brother. Absolutely, baby, I am ready, and uh, let's jump right into it, man. So we got UFC Brazil. AKA UFC Fight Night Almeida versus Lewis. We're talking about Jonathan Almeida versus Derek Lewis, folks. Mr. Hot Balls himself. But before That's we right. jump into that, we got to start off at the very, very bottom of the early prelims here. You already know. Um, and, and we want to know your thoughts in the chat, guys. Let us know how you feel about Cal Fernandez fighting Mark Diacasey. Opening the card, Mark Diacasey. I mean, this man was on main cards not so long ago, and now he's starting off the card. Uh, intrigued to hear how how you feel about that. Now, I know, do you think that this is a good look for him, a bad look for him, just a look for him? I mean, hey, it's an honest look for him, right? I mean, like you said, he's uh, somebody that we are familiar seeing on uh, main event cards and uh, just a familiar name in the UFC over the past recent years. Mark Diakis at 16 and 7, 30 years old, has six knockouts under his belt. But I think the reason why he's a bit lower on this card is because he is on a two-fight losing streak. You hate to see it, but I think that means we're going to see a hungry junkyard dog that's ready to go out there. He knows what's on the line. He has a win over a groovy Lando, one of our favorite fighters to chat about back in the day. Um, But yeah, man, I mean, I think he has all the tools. He's a fun, explosive fighter who really relies on his striking He's willing to get one and take one. Obviously, like you, like I've mentioned, coming off a couple losses, but this is a winnable fight for him. I, I, this guy, Kai, Kaiyu, uh, Kawai, I, I'm, I need to double check his name here, Mr. Fernandez. Uh, at 8 and 1, 28 years old with four knockouts. Impressive record. Unfortunately, I just don't know too much about him. I don't, I have not seen him against Octagon, well, in the Octagon against UFC caliber, caliber fighters. Oof. You say that five times in a row. Uh, so with that being said, I just it's hard for me to assume he's going to go in there and hand Mark Diakisi his third loss and his potential ticket out of the UFC. I just I, I don't see him stamping that timestamp. I think it's I think Mark's going to find a way to use his explosive strikes to get it done. What about you, brother? Man, I'm not going to lie. Uh, there, there at the end, the way you were wording that, yeah, my heart beating. I, I, I was scared. I was like, wait, what is he? Is he, is he? Is he saying Fernandez? Is he going Fernandez here? Is this like rolling tide right now? Um, no. So I, I got to completely agree with you here. Mark Diacasey is somebody that has looked really good um, up until his last two losses, right? He did recently lose via Bravo choke in the second round, four minutes and 26 seconds in against Joel Alvarez. But come on, guys. Joel Alvarez might end up being on the cover of He's a Dog, Volume 2. That man is an absolute dog, El Finamo. Uh, El Finamino. Jeez, Louise, got to brush up on my Spanish, am I right? Uh, so, um, anyways, Mark Bone Crusher Dia Casey is the person we're talking about, not Joel Alvarez. Um, and I mean, but before that, who did he lose to? 
Michael Johnson, who has wins over people that you may have heard of, like, I don't know, uh, uh, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, maybe? I don't know. That's somebody you might have heard of. So the man's an absolute beast. The the bad thing is they just happen to keep pairing him up against beasts. Um, before those two losses, his last two losses were back-to-back Rafael losses. That's right. I'm talking about Rafael Fazeev and Rafael Alves. Uh, so in between those four losses, though, the man had a win over Slava Klaus. You know what I'm saying? Vyacheslav Borshev. And that's the, the standout young man from Russia fighting out of Team Alpha Male. So Mark Bonecrusher DKC was able to go out there and out-wrestle that man. He got a unanimous decision over him. And then after that, he went out and did the same exact thing over Demir Hadzovic. Now, looking across from him is Cal Fernandez fighting out of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And he has eight and one, right? Eight wins, one loss. Now, here's the awesome thing about this fight. Uh, As goalie would say, these men have a two-year age difference. Everything else is virtually identical. They have the same exact height, the same exact pounds, obviously, weight classes. And, um, you know, they have the same exact freaking reach. So it's going to make for an absolute banger of an event that's going to really, really come down to who has it in the tank, and who has the better skill set overall. Now, looking into his opponent here, Cal Fernandez, he's fighting out of Team Nova Unal, who is a renowned team of yesteryear when it comes to MMA facts and fun stats. Now, as Nano so eloquently stated, he hasn't really fought the who's who in the in the UFC octagon. This is going to actually be his UFC debut right? However, we got to look at what he's done outside of the UFC octagon. He's fought in Chuto Brazil, which is actually a really notable Brazilian um, promotion. And in that promotion, he went completely undefeated. It wasn't until he transitioned from Chuto Brazil to LFA when he actually suffered his one and only loss. And that was to Luan Andre Sousa Sardinha. And he lost a unanimous decision in a three-round belt. That was just back in 2021. Since then, he's had two back-to-back wins over Jose Arley Carvalho and Felipe Douglas. And both of those, by the way, were kick knockouts. One was a body kick. One was a head kick. Oh, by the way, they were both in the very first round as well. So... As a betting man, I'm going to say either Mark Diacasey, money line, probably a safe bet, or if you want to hedge it a little bit, go with Cal Fernandez in the first round. Dude's an absolute firecracker. You got to think he's coming out here to make a name for himself, and not only that, but to make that extra 50 Gs in his pocket. Sheesh. Some fireworks here in the early prelims. You never know. Uh, welcome to the chat, Miss B. Love the name. Uh, Fury got beat in Ganu one. Tyson Fury got exposed. Tell us how you really feel. Also, love that display picture. That's gorgeous. I don't know if that's a, a self portrait, but just absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, and yeah, welcome to the channel. Make sure you hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Appreciate it. And that's a solid take. I mean, we were just talking about it. We it were is, just uh, talking about it. It's it's it was tough. I mean, it, great performance by Francis. He's a dog. And I'm excited and to see what's way next for him. The news goes. You know what I'm saying? That's how boxing goes, guys. I don't know if uh, a lot of people that watch that fight are new to boxing, but you know. 
boxing decisions are just a little bit sus as the kids say these days so moving into the next fight we're not going to break down every single one of these early prelims or else we'd probably be here all freaking night guys and we don't want to take up your entire evening uh we know you got other things to do but we appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your wednesday evening to spend it with us so moving forward we are going to jump into this next fight. Uh, we're going to skip ahead one fight. We'll go ahead and skip past the Eduardo Moira versus Montserrat Ruiz fight, unless you have any dying or, or dire facts you want to throw out on that one. Nah, nah. Should be a banger, though. I think both ladies are going to be coming out swinging. So, should be a quick one. Tune in. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. So uh, moving into the next fight, I do actually want to talk about this one just a wee bit. We got San Diego's very own Angela Hill coming in against Denise Gomes. Nano, who do you think is going to win this? Ooh, this is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. I know it's your hometown girl um, living in a you know lonely world, but it's she's going a long way out of san diego she's leaving the country here she's going to brazil where they speak portuguese and um it's a different breed man i'm curious to see how she does in the travel i mean the reality is angela hill she's been around the block okay she ain't no stranger she's she's been here before okay at 38 years old she's fought just about anybody and everybody uh has a 15 and 3 record that scares me a little bit i didn't realize how Literally almost 50-50 she truly is when it comes down to that record and her performances. Um, especially being at 38 years old, that scares me as well. Um, but the reality is she's a well-rounded, she's a gritty fighter. She has a lot of weapons. She's she's snappy. She can display or I guess um, she can. She has a variety of striking in a multitude of different fighting I mean, situations, you know, she's seen it all again, 30 fights here, 38 years old. She's been around the block. Um, unfortunately, just feels like these, are, you know, the the sun is setting. Feels like there's maybe the last few fights that she's going to have here. I'm hoping she's going to go on your shield and showcase all those skills at the highest level. Uh, but the reality is she's going up against a Denise Gomes, who is an absolute savage. 23 year old at eight and two with six KOs. That finish rate is phenomenal. Uh, and this girl looks really tough and seems to be a soon-to-be bright star here in the UFC. I think there's a reason why she's on this Brazil card. Again, they're going to try and showcase a lot of their talent. And like we've seen historically over the years, Amanda Nunes, um, Charles Dubronx Oliveira, uh, I mean, the Spider, Anderson Silva. I mean, the list goes on of just absolute grades. Vanderlei Silva. I mean, we can probably do an entire hour of just how many Brazilian fighters and previous champions there are. Um, but I digress. Again, this is a potential another future star here in the UFC. I feel like her fighting style is just like she's constantly seeking the violence, willing to get into more technical exchanges. She's not just throwing complete caution to the wind. She's got a good, well-rounded game. And, man, she's put some women down. I mean, six KOs, she has some serious power. So... I am nervous about Angela Hill. This is a tall task and a, and a, and a very tough and gritty fighter. Angela Hill's not just going to get out of there very, very easily. This is essentially a pick em. You know, uh, Denise Gomez is the favorite at minus 135, which is where I'm leaning here. Again, the hometown kid, 15-year age difference. You know I like my young bucks typically, especially when it comes to betting. And I'm hoping for Angela to showcase her skills and, and maybe have a few more good performances, but... This is tough, man. Denise Gomez is a tough savage, and she's young, and she's hungry. 
she wants what Angela Hill might have had back in the day. So I'm leaning Denise Gomes here, man. Probably by decision because I don't I don't think Angela uh, she's gonna have to get you know something broken or she's gonna she thinks you have to get wheeled out of there. She's not gonna go out. She's going out swinging. I, I want to say. <laughs> what about you, brother? What do you think? <laughs> Man, love that breakdown. Love that analysis. Um, I got to be honest, I'm a bit scared as well. Angela Overkill Hill. Not only does she train out of the hometown here in San Diego, but she trains out of Alliance MMA, which is partnered with Victory MMA, which is where we train. Uh, So, you know, I got to go for Angela Hill here, but I am a little bit scared. As you said, Denise Gomes, she got six KOs slash TKOs to her name. But, I, you know, I'm here to play devil's avocado and say Angela Overkill Hill has five to hers. And she also has 10 decisions. You know what that tells me? That tells me that the girl has a gas tank. The girl can grind it out. And of the two losses that Denise has, one is via KO loss and one is a decision loss. So, the thing is, we've seen her lose in her UFC debut to Conklak Sufasara. Um, you know who I'm talking about, right? A lot of people don't know her by her real name. We're talking about Loma Lukbomi. Um, Loma Lukbomi has had an up and down career. Loma Lukbomi lost to Angela Hill just three years ago. And then she went on to beat Denise Gomes. Son, so that's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? Um, I think Angela Overkill Hill has the skills to pay the bills, and I think she has the skills to go out there and beat a very game Denise Gomes. Um, I mean, Denise is an actual, I mean, she's a beast, right? Trains out of Piranha Valley Tudo, and She's from Brazil. They're fighting in Brazil. She has the home field advantage. But I just, I don't know if it's actually going to prove to be an advantage for her at all. Uh, I think Angela Hill is going to get this W. Uh, so I'm going Angela Hill money line on this one. Um, yeah, we're not going to go over our, our official bets or anything this week on the episode. Uh, we're working on maybe doing some like switching over to the DraftKings regular app for the next week's episode, but we'll we'll get into that a bit later. But if I had to bet as a betting man, maybe maybe a little side bet after the show here, I'm going to Angela Hill money line. I like the odds on her at plus odds, and uh, I, I think it just makes sense. So we'll go ahead and move right into the next one here. The next one I got on my list, uh, we, like I said, we are going to skip through a little bit here. Um, I say we jump right on up, uh, unless you want to talk about any of the other ones on the preliminary card. Do you want to jump right into the main card here? Ooh, brother, I'm, I'm happy to follow your lead, man. I'm surprised you didn't want to break down. Um... Absolutely. That one was when I had circled up, brother. I should have just waited and let you let you go ahead and just say the name on your own. <laughs> I feel like that well, would have been a good show in its own. <laughs> I know. Just I don't want to know if I want to TikTok or go viral with all of my butchered names here. I am cultured. I, I should be able to get this somewhat, but Renat Fakretinov. Oh, dude, not I bad. Feel like pretty solid. I feel like pretty solid. Yeah, not bad. Uh, I think it's Hinot, but other than that, Hinot. solid, bro. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That, that HR is silent, I guess. Okay, fair enough. I'm learning. I'm learning. But yeah, bro, that, that's an exciting one. I mean, the man's 32 years old, 21 and 1, 11 KOs, six subs on his uh, under his belt, no losses in the last 10 years. We're talking about a decade, ladies and gentlemen. Dude doesn't sniff the loss. 
Uh, but Renat, man, I mean, frankly, I think he could have got uh, charged for manslaughter for what he did to Kevin Lee in his last outing. I mean, my goodness, he's just big brother, that guy. <laughs> and he proved to me, man, okay, he's a legitimate fighter, okay? Kevin Lee is no joke. He's no slouch. Uh, and Renat, I mean, again, coming in with a really impressive record, great streak, uh, really talented kid. But but I'll tell you what, man, Brazil has something cooking, bro, because this guy, Alizu, Zaleski Dos Santos, I don't know if it's something in the name, but this guy's also a freaking savage, bro. He's got heavy hands. I mean, we're talking lethal power, cement in this guy's hands, man. I don't know what they have out there in the water. But 24 and 7, 36 years old. That's the only thing that scares me. He's a little bit older. 14 KOs, though, brother. Again, this guy. Dude's nickname is Capoeira. Oh, bro. I'm sure that'd be like someone's nickname being Karate or someone's nickname being. Like judo, like he's nicknamed after a style of martial arts. I mean, brother, if you don't know what it is, that's what Eddie Gordo from Tekken does. Oh, geez. Damn. Great show or a great uh, game. Great reference. Wow. Well, that says a lot. I mean, this guy has a win over Benoit St. Denis and uh, Abu Bakar Nurmagomedov. So he's beat a machine, a uh, military veteran and a Nurmagomedov. So everybody give it up in the chat for Emiliano tonight hitting these name pronunciations. My goodness. We're a global program. We're a global program. That's what we do in this program. That's what we do. We're global, baby. All for the program. But yeah, brother. It's um that was a fun one. Honestly, I I wanted to slam Renat, but it is the more I looked into it, the more I thought, man, this guy is, there's something about it. You know, I don't know a lot of these Brazilian guys. They're not household names yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Dos uh, Santos can find a, a way to to edge out a victory here in his backyard. However, I, my gut's going Renat. I am going to go Renat here. What do you, how do you feel about this fight, brother? Well, we got one guy named after a uh, style slash discipline of martial arts here in Capoeira. And we've got another man nicknamed after, I don't know, what started this whole sport, Gladiator. So it's Gladiator versus Capoeira. Uh, Who do I think wins this one? Well, I'll be honest with you. I think it's going to be very, very closely contested bout. I think Hinaf Fakhretinov fighting out of Moscow, Russia. But training out of American top team, which I think is something you got to mention when you bring this man's name up. I mean, he's got a who's who of training partners when he's out there. Right. And he yeah, he has one loss. But that loss was back in 2013, a literal decade ago. And that was a long, long time ago in fight years. Right. A whole lifetime ago in fight years. Since making it to the UFC, this man has only had three fights, but it's been two decisions and one guillotine choke. By the way, the guillotine was over Kevin Lee, as Nano said again so eloquently. He big brothered the young man, and he did it in 55 seconds of the very first round. That's all it took to choke that man out, which was wild because Kevin Lee is, again, a name, a very noteworthy name. However, standing across from him is not just a scrub. We're talking about Alicio Zaleski Dos Santos, a.k.a. Capoeira who is fighting out of Francisco Beltrão Paraná, Brazil. And this man is just an absolute beast, okay? Um, the only two losses that we've actually seen him suffer in the UFC were to Jingliang Liang um, 
aka the man whose suit we never got to see on the stage, and Muslim Salikov. His wins, however, the people that he has beaten, okay, Abubakar Nurmagomedov, Benoit St. Denis, which, again, Nano was so great and able to end up uh, just, you know, describing to us. However, there is something that you failed to mention here. He's got a win over Sean Strickland, son. We're talking about a spinning wheel kick followed by punches. Look it up. It happened, mother. Uh, For real, though, he did. He did actually get the win over Sean Strickland back at UFC 224. Nunez versus Pennington 2018. Um, Before that beat up Max Griffin. Before that, he beat up Lyman Good, who you might not recognize the name, but man, let me tell you something. If you looked up Lyman Good, you would know the man looks like a freaking action figure in the most horrifying way. Uh, he looks like a supervillain. He's also beaten Omari Akhmadov, Kieta Nakamura. And the list goes on. Luigi Vendramini. Um, now, here's the thing. His last loss before the Jingliang Li loss and the Muslim Salikov loss was to a young man named Nicholas Dalby. I'm not bringing that up because it has any relevance because listen to me, folks. That fight happened a long time ago. Okay, It happened back when Carlos Condit was fighting against Alves. Long time ago, back in 2015. But I'm bringing it up because I'm, I'm going to recall it at a later time in the episode Okay, when it comes to a young man named Nicholas Dalby. That being said, Alicio Capoeira Zaleski Dos Santos Oh, man, I got a scary, scary, sneaky, scary feeling that this young man, he he might end up going out there and just getting it done. But uh, if he gets it done, it is going to be a finish, right? He's going to get it done via knockout because he has 14 of those to his name. Uh, Not a huge submission guy. He's got three submissions, and I don't really see him submitting the gladiator. He not Fakhretinov. If he not Fakhretinov is able to get suckered into a brawl at all, Capoeira wins this nine out of ten times. If he not is able to keep his distance, control the pacing of the fight, and um, lead the dance, so to say, I think that he will actually be able to get the win. Again, as a betting man, I would say hedge your bets here. Go with the favorite here on the money line and Hinat Fakretinov. And then uh, go with Elisio Capoeira Zoleski Dos Santos inside the distance, which should get you some pretty juicy plus odds. I like that a lot. Solid. This is going to be a banger, y'all. Make sure you tune in. Yeah, I mean, either way, uh, this one's got money written all over it. Um, Man. Man, man, man. Moving into the next fight of the evening. We are going to jump into the main card now. Um... Because the main card, it's it's filled with bangers. Originally, we were supposed to get a couple of fights that we're not getting. Personally, kind of like these fights a little bit better um, from a fan standpoint, not from a competition standpoint, but that's okay. Of course, the fights I'm talking about are Kyle Burayo coming in, originally supposed to fight Nursultan Ruzeboev, and now he is coming in, Kyle Burayo coming in against Abus Magomedov. A step up in competition, in my opinion, um, 
but we'll see how it plays out for him. And then obviously the main event had a little bit of a switch up here. Was supposed to originally be Jailton Almeida coming in against Curtis Razor Blades, but instead it is Jailton Almeida coming in against Derek Howells Lewis himself. Um, now jumping into the first fight of this main card of the evening. We got one from hell, Vince Pichel, coming in against Ishmael Bonfim. He's one of them Bonfim boys. Tell us your thoughts on this fight, Nano. Let's go. Honestly, I, I think that the UFC is throwing our boy Ishmael, uh, one of the Bonfim brothers here, a bone a little bit, low key. Uh, 27, uh, 27 years old, 19 and 4 record, 9 KOs, 6 submissions, very well rounded UFC fighter. Coming off a tough L, let's be honest. But again, he's looking to bounce back. Going up against a Vince from hell, Bichel. Great name. I love that. Uh, but he's 40 years old, brother. I mean, 4-0. Okay, he's not Tom Brady. Okay. He's not Aaron Rodgers. Although he's 14-3, he, he has a good record with eight knockouts. Oh, man, it's coming off a hip injury. I mean, man. Who cares? He's 40 years old, brother. I just can't do it. I think they're throwing Ishmael Bonfim a, born, a bone here. I think he's going to find a way to get a finish against the older guy and send him back to hell. H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> what do you think, brother? Well, I know you're right about it. Um, I like Vince from Hell Pichel. Follow him on Twitch. Uh, you should, too. It's a very fun follow. Now, I, I mean, look. His last three wins were Roosevelt Roberts, who got cut. You saw him on tough. Uh, Austin Hubbard, who got cut. You saw him on tough. And Jim Miller. Now, Jim Miller is a hell of a name to have a win over. Jim Miller's still racking the wins up, folks. Uh, the man just got a win over uh, Eric Gonzalez, Nicholas Mota, Donald Cerrone, Jesse Butler, Another guy who got a win over Roosevelt Roberts. Man, Roosevelt Roberts had a hell of a rough run in the UFC, folks. But again, this man is someone who is still a beast. As as Nano said, coming off of a bit of a hip surgery here, he's 40 years of age. Typically, you want to go with the younger man in these types of situations. Ishmael Bonfim is somebody who is a bit of a beast. But here's the thing. In that Benoit St. Denis uh, fight that he recently lost, I there was something that worried me a lot about it. Um, and, and that's this. The man looked absolutely lost when he got put on his back. And Vince, if there's one thing you know about that fence from hell, Pichel, he's going to put you on your back, son. <laughs> i tell you something about it, right? um, So I think that's what's going to happen. I think uh, Mareta is going to get put on his back. Uh, and uh, I hope he packed the lunch because... Vince from Hell Pachel is going to make him know that he is in a fight. And he is going to tire him out. He's going to exhaust him. And, I mean, Ishmael Bonfim, he's a beast, right? He's got four submissions to his name. He's got nine KOs to his name. One of those, by the way, flying knee knockout over Terrence McKinney, the mushroom kid. Um, but before then, just like you were saying about some of the other competition we're seeing on this card, Nano, who have we seen him fight that's UFC caliber? His only win over a UFC caliber opponent was Terrence McKinney. And Terrence McKinney has a kryptonite in, in the octagon in its knees. Every time he's lost in the octagon, it's been from a knee. So, like, 
I don't know. I don't want to say Ismail got lucky, but Ismail found the, the cheat code, right? So I just don't know that Vince gets hit by that. Vince is pretty damn hard to put away. The man's been in, what, 17 fights? Um, he's only been stopped three times. Realistically, he's only been stopped twice, and the other one was a decision. So Gregor Gillespie and Rustam Kabilov, I just don't know if Ismail's that guy or that caliber of guy. Well, we'll be doing a shot on it, brother, because uh, I seem to believe that he is that guy. I think he is him, pal. He is that guy, pal. <laughs> Operation Fade the Bone Fiends is in full effect this week. Oh, man. And I'll tell you why. I'm going to tell you You're why later, off baby. a lot of Brazilians over here, like Chael Sonnen and Colby Covington over here, man. Jeez. You're the third coming. <laughs> you already know, baby. You already know. Don't make me play that clip. <laughs> um, Dude, moving I got into in the this chamber. next one. I got in the chamber. Brazil, you're an absolute. I'm just kidding. I love Brazil. Uh, I've never been, but I'd love to go. Same, same. They seem like really cool people. Moving into the next one, I'll go ahead and announce these names or, pronou- or pronounce these names. Uh, so that Thank way Nano doesn't have to, to crush himself here. So this is a Brazilian R. So you want to make sure that you say it like an H. So it's Rodolfo Vieira. Yeah, versus Armin Petrosian. Now, um, Armin Petrosian is one of those guys where I really thought that when we saw him, Superman, Petrosian, I thought he was going to be the next big thing. He's coming in here against a young man named Rodolfo Vieira, a.k.a. the Black Belt Hunter, fighting out of Fusion Excel performance. The man has eight submissions out of his nine wins. He is an absolute stud on the mat. Uh, He got the triangle choke, um, the arm triangle choke specifically over Cody Brundage. He got the rear naked choke over Dustin Stolzfus. Um, In the Chris Curtis fight, he just couldn't seem to really find his grounding, right? He... Chris Curtis was just able to outclass him in that fight. I don't know if Armin Petrosian is going to have the same ability in this matchup. However, the man's never been submitted in his 11 bouts. He's 9-2, and two, 6 KOs slash TKOs, 3 decisions. He's been knocked out once. He's been beaten by decision once. However, the people that are beating him are pretty damn good, right? Hassan Yousefi, um beat him via TKO. It was kind of a flash knockout in the very first round back in 2021, right before he made it to the UFC, about two fights before his UFC debut. And his UFC debut was against Gregory Robocop Rodriguez. The man came out here and got a an absolute just stunning, stunning split decision win over him. And I mean, Gregory Rodriguez, RoboCop is an absolute beast. And then of course his next loss was to Cal Barrio, who is fighting on this same card. A lot of guys that have fought each other fighting on the same card for whatever reason, you know, got to keep him in Brazil, I guess it's easy, easy travel, but he has wins over AJ Dobson and Christian Leroy Duncan. The man is good, right? We just haven't seen him show his ability that he had shown prior to the UFC debut to get knockouts, right? Like he had, what, five, six knockouts back to back to back to back to back, um, whether he was receiving or giving. And then he makes it to the UFC, and ever since then, it's been just decision after decision after decision. So I'd like to see him come out here and be able to get a knockout, but tough, tough uh, ask when you're coming in against the black belt hunter himself. In this bout, I got to lean towards Rodolfo Vieira. I think he's a smarter, he has a fight IQ, uh, and the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I mean, you know I'm not the best grappler in the world. I'm more of a striker, uh, striker's delight. But, man, going to call a spade a spade here and just tell you straight up, 
I think the man has all the tools to get it done. I love that breakdown, brother. And I won't add too much. Just my two cents are that it's a literal pick em. They both are minus 110 at this point, according to the odd makers. So Vegas is telling us that literally flip a coin, and that's probably who uh, you have a good bet of uh, winning the fight. But I am going to lean the hometown kid here in his backyard on his home turf, getting the home field advantage here. And like you said, I think he's a uh, very talented fighter. I mean, he's had his ups and downs. If you look at his previous five fights, it's win, loss, win, loss, win. So maybe he's due for a loss if you're just looking at, again, just uh, sort of some trends there. But I don't know. We got to use our eye here. We got to use our heart as well. And again, I mean, something, a great nickname like the Black Belt Hunter. I mean, my goodness, I just, that in itself is pretty intimidating. That tells me that if it gets to the ground, if it's anywhere outside of the feet, and he has heavy hands too, so it just feels like Hadolfo Vieira will find a way to squeeze out a W here at home. So I'm leaning Hadolfo. Let's go, Hadolfo. You love to see a baby. Moving into the next one, here's a name that we were just now talking about. Kayo Barayo coming in against Abus Magomedov. Nano, go ahead and start us off on this one, my guy. Brother, this is a fun one, man. This is a fun one. Kai the Natural by Io. Uh, 14 and 1, 30 years old. Uh, just four knockouts and four subs. Uh, but a real well-rounded, bright star fighting in his backyard here in Brazil. Uh, someone that's really relied on his athleticism and his explosive uh, or his ability to explode in exchanges, being able to take da- uh, takedowns from that southpaw position, being able to snap that left hand. Uh, it's apparent that, you know, again, that athleticism and being able to slowly piece together his MMA game is really what's allowed him to get here and to maintain, again, a 14 and one record. But we're going to need to see him take that next level of development. All right. He's going to need to look at my shirt. And he's needing to go a little Super Saiyan on us, all right? Because he's going up against Abbas uh, Magomedov, who, at 33 years old, only three years difference, but has doubled the amount of fights, 25-5 and five record, 14 knockouts. So as many wins as Kayo has, Abbas has knockout victories, KO or TKO. Um, the only thing that scares me with Abbas going on the road here, going into, into Kayo's backyard, and coming off that most recent loss against Sean Strickland, where although he looked really good in the first round, he really started to fade really fast. I mean, it was alarming that although someone with a great record and someone who came in the UFC with a lot of hype, just frankly, all the wheels fell off at the same time. It just was like all systems failed. Both engines failed on the engine here on the uh, jet plane. It just maybe it was just a complete worst case scenario. Maybe Sean Strickland, who is the champion now. So maybe maybe uh, Avis just was drowning in quicksand there, which it was able to even get Israel out of Sanya out of sorts. So maybe we shouldn't take that with a grain of salt. But unfortunately, that's just the most recent taste of my mouth. And I love what I'm seeing from Kyle Braiho. I mean, this is going to be a really tough challenge, although and, and I mean, at minus 310 uh, odds, that's telling me that Vegas thinks that he's going to be able to make this look a little bit easier than than I'm even think it's going to be exciting. It's a close bite. I mean, this Abbas is a dog, you know, again, he, he, he faded. That scared me, but I'm going to assume, I mean, this guy has all the tools in the toolbox. He's going to have a three inch reach advantage and he has a hell of a lot of more octagon experience. That's, that's a lot. Um, so everything considered, 
I'm going on the natural. I am going to lean the natural here. I'm leaning with the hometown kid, man. Again, Abyss scared me. I mean, I want to always go with these Magomedovs, but or any of these Ovs, but not this Ov. I'm off this Ov, okay? <laughs> I'm going with Kai, the natural, by decision. It's going to be a close one. He's going to have to earn it. <laughs> Talk to me, brother. What are you thinking? He is off the off. You heard it here first, guys. He does not believe in Abyssupian, a.k.a. Abus Mokomedov. Fighting out of Argon, Russia. Um, I mean, the man did come in with a lot of hype, and he did look very, very deflated against Sean Strickland. However, when he was fighting Dustin Stoltzfus, he looked really solid. That being said, Dustin Solzfus is a very, very up-and-down fighter. I mean, the guy is 1-4 in his last five fights. And, you know, one of those was the front kick knockout. Oh, front kick followed up by punches knockout from Avis Magomedov. I'm with you, man. I, I think I'm off this off. And it's really hard to bet against Kyle Barayo, not only because of his skills, not only because of what we see him do inside of the octagon, but because if you have not seen his picture on SureDog.com, do yourself a favor and check it out. Young man looks like fucking Johnny Cage from Mortal Kombat. It's incredible. He's got the shades. He's like, yeah, Johnny Cage, fatality. Uh, it's bomb. Such a great picture. Now, moving into the actual stats and facts, yeah, he's got one loss. Yeah, he's got one no contest. Well, let me tell you, that loss was his second professional fight. That loss was back in 2015. The no contest was back in 2018, and that's okay, guys. Other than that, the man is an absolute showstopper. He's an absolute finisher. He's got four KOs, four submissions, six decisions, fighting out of the fighting nerds, which I've never even fucking heard of, but I love it. Um, Bruno Brazil trains there too, apparently, and you love to hear that. The man's nickname is The Natural. He should change it to Hollywood because the man's going places, folks. Kyle Barayo, bet the house on him. Take it to the bank. Cha-ching. I love it. Great analysis. I, I truly think that he gets it done, man. I think he not only goes out there and beats him, but I think he goes out there and gets a knockout over him. I would say uh, inside the distance, Kyle Barayo, get those juicy odds, folks. Moving into the next one, Nano, I'm going to go and let you take the lead on this one. We got Rodrigo Nascimento Fajera coming in against someone that we've lost money on before. Talking about Dante Mays. <sighs> yes, unfortunately. Thank you for the uh, lead in here. But yeah, we got Rodrigo Nascimento in his backyard, 30 years old, two knockouts under his belt, 10 and one. Very impressive record. Going up against a more grizzled veteran here, a little bit more tread on the tires. A Dante Mays, 31 years old, 10 and five record, but six knockouts. Uh, I just feel like Dante is the more powerful fighter. I mean, Lord Kong himself is going to have one inch reach advantage. And he's coming off a most recent win against my boy, Andre Avalowski, one of my favorites of all time. So I, although, you know, Dante is closer to a 50-50 fighter here, and this is, you know, two heavyweights that even according to the matchmakers or the odd makers, I should say, it's uh, minus, 180, minus 195, excuse me, for Rodrigo, plus 165 for Dante. That's pretty darn close. I mean, these guys both have a puncher's chance. Dontail at 6'6", he's going to have four inches of height, but only one inch of reach advantage. So it, really not much there. It's all a wash to me. But again, I just think Dontail just looks like the stronger guy. 
I think he's going to find a way to maybe put Rodrigo out. So I know I've been leaning the uh, the hometown hometown kids here, but I'm going to have to go with the 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 American on this one. I'm going to go the underdog and go down till May is to win. I know I've lost money on him before, so fool me once. Shame on me. Fool me twice. I ain't getting fooled again. Okay, he's winning this time around. <laughs> what do you think, brother? Well, I'll be honest with you. I didn't think that you were going to go there. Uh, you're betting on Lord Kong himself, the man who came out there. Uh, I mean, he got the win over Andre Arlovsky, sure. But, God, it's a terrible fight. Um, and, and, I mean, that Augusto Sakai fight was just absolute dog dog poop. So bad. Such a bad fight. Uh, that being said... Looking across from him, we got Rodrigo Nascimento, a.k.a. Yogi Bear Zichromea, standing at, he's got 10 and 1, right, for his record, standing at 6'4", 265 pounds, fighting out of American top team over in Florida by way of Belo Horizonte, Minos Gerais, Brazil. The man's an absolute beast. Um, he came out there and got the decision over Tanner, the bulldozer, Bozer. Um, he got a win that was overturned through no contest over Alan Badeau. He got the win over Elia Latifi. He also got the win back in 2020 over a young man named Dontel Mays. You heard of him? It's a rematch. Rings a bell. <laughs> this is a rematch. Um, even more, even more. Why I want the underdog? Okay, we know you know so I like my dogs around here. You know, this is a rematch. Um, rear naked choke. He got a minute in round two, Duntel Mays. I think we're going to see history repeat itself. I think it's actually going to happen inside of the first round, guys. I think Rodrigo Nascimento gets it done and brings that that stamina, that victory, and that swagger all the way back home to American top team. And I think Duntel Mays um, continues to show that, you know, just because you train with John Jones doesn't mean you get wins like John Jones. That's a good call out. That's a good call out. <laughs> tough crap, tough crap. <laughs> uh, so that's my pick for that one. Moving forward, guys, we have already made our way into the co-main event of the evening, folks. And you love to hear it. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It's time, folks. It's time. Uh, I actually am as stoked about this co-main event as I am about the main event. Uh, and I know you're probably thinking like, well, that's kind of weird that, and you know what? You'd probably be right. That is a little bit weird. Um, I'm going to let you take the lead on this one. I want to hear you break down how you feel. Um, and then I say, we do a shot before we jump into my breakdown. Ooh, sounds great, brother. Well, I don't know if this is a therapy session. I'm assuming you're talking about how I feel about this fight, this banger of a co-main event, and not my personal feelings, which we can talk about maybe off off camera here, off the record, because I have a lot of those. <laughs> I know like, I look like I made a steal, but under this steal, I have feelings. <laughs> um, back to the co-main event here, okay? You don't get too sidetracked. We have the other. Nano, the onion, <laughs> so many layers. <laughs> I'm a complex man. <laughs> oh, man. But I digress. We're going to have to talk about the other brother here, okay? Gabriel Brome theme, possibly 
more talented brother here, okay? Because he is 15-0. He has not sniffed a defeat yet. 26 years old, 12 submissions, a little bit more of a specialist, and frankly, a little bit more momentum, and I think, frankly, more poised for a breakout performance here. The question is, is is he good enough to go potentially 15 minutes with a legitimate MMA fighter, with an absolute dog, okay? A savage by the name of Nicholas Dalby at 38 years old. Hey, it scares me. You know how I feel about these old bucks, man, going against against my young guys. But not all of them are Nicholas Dalby, okay? 22-4 and four at 38 years old. 12 decision wins. Dude's an absolute grinder. I think that stood out to me most. doesn't matter how many finishes you have. You had 12 decision wins. You've gone 36 minutes, and you've come out on top of those 36 minutes. It's impressive as all hell. Um, oh, wait, no. I think I did my I did the wrong math. I got to times that by 12. It's even more. That's a lot of minutes. <laughs> it's a lot of minutes, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, again, Nicholas Dalby coming in with a lot of experience, being able to prove that he can go into deep waters and come out to the surface with the victory. Um, been in all different types of scenarios. He is on a three fight win streak. I think that's huge. And his ability to be able to capture this young's buck hype would be a massive statement for this point of his career. You rush him to the top if he does, but I just don't think it's going to happen. I think the hype train staying with Gabriel Bonefim, chugga chugga choo choo, um, going with the young buck here. I think he's going to find a way to submit him. I think, and the thing is too that people are forgetting here: Gabriel Bonefim has phenomenal boxing. This dude can piece it up like no other. So Nicholas, if he wants to sit there and trade, I know he can use his legs. I know he has good knees as well. So maybe that's a way to neutralize some of the boxing technique. That Gabriel's going to uh, showcase, but ladies and gentlemen, Gabriel can showcase some great boxing. I know we saw Nganu and Fury boxing, and we talked about that at the beginning here of the show, but we're going to see some great boxing here showcase as well until it gets to the ground where he'll take your neck and take an arm or take a limb and uh, crank it until you know you don't want to crank no more. So I'm going to lean the young buck here. Gabriel Bonfim, sky's the limit, brother. I'm excited for you to showcase in your backyard here. A lot of talent here in this in this card, man. And Brazil in general. I mean, this is a country that's been hungry for champions. Obviously, Amanda Nunes went out on top. Obviously, Dubronx, Charles Oliveira had his uh, had his time, you know, with the with the gold, able to bring it back home. And I think one of his training partners is on this card as well. We didn't break down that fight, Elvis Brenner. But again, a lot of talent. I'm excited as all hell. But he's a, there's a reason why he's in the co-main event here. And I think it's because everyone knows he's a dog. And that's Gabriel Bonfim. I think he's going to win by decision, though. I'd love to see him get a sub, but it's going to be by decision. It's going to be a hard 15-minute fight. It's going to be fun. What do you think, brother? Hit me with it while I pour up the shot. You get that shot poured up while he pours that shot up, folks. Um, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. Everything you said is true. There were no lies detected in anything that you said. Um, absolutely no lies detected. As unfortunate as it is. You let me know when you got that shot poured up. I'm ready. You ready? I'm born ready, baby. Let's go. Ladies and gents. get into this breakdown? Cheers, Cheers. ladies and gentlemen. If you're drinking on anything, take a drink for us. Stay hydrated. Or drink with us, I should say. Not for us. We're not making you do anything. Please. Don't blame us. No peer pressure. No No peer peer pressure. pressure. No peer pressure. So... Go ahead and switch the banner at the bottom here. Boom! Jumping into this fight here, guys. Um, 
there's some there's some things there's some stuff there's some things there's some stuff and things that i need to just go through when it comes to this fight and there there's some fun facts okay now gabriel bonfim i think we can both agree is probably the better bonfim brother fair fair enough very fair now, very fair Maratinha fighting out of Brasilia, Brazil, which is just a fun-ass place uh, to say out loud. Man's an absolute beast, right? He's undefeated most of his career outside of the UFC. Only made it to the UFC just two fights ago after getting a stunning shoulder choke, as it's titled on uh, Sherdog, in Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, I'm assuming the shoulder choke was a Von Flu choke. I'm having a fuzzy memory here. Either way... After that, he got the win over Munir Lazez and Trevin Giles, uh, a.k.a. five-star Trevin Giles, a.k.a. the problem Giles, Trevin Giles. Um, now, the, the man can bang, make no mistake. He's gotten three back-to-back -back chokes in the UFC, technically, if you include Dana White's Contender Series. Four back-to-back -back chokes, if you include outside of that, in the LFA. Oh, and he's gotten seven, no, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, four. Oh my god, hold on, hold on. Can we get this straight? Fifteen back-to-back -back finishes. The man is a finishing machine. Which means you know he's going to win against Nicholas Danish Dynamite Dalby. As much as I love Nicholas Dalby, um, sometimes that is uh, just the way the news goes. But I'm going to change things up real quick here because sometimes the script just does not go the way it's supposed to go. And sometimes things happen. Like Nicholas Danish Dynamite Dalby being undefeated against Brazilians, being 4-0 against Brazilians, oh, and being 2-0 against Brazilians in Brazil. So what do you think is going to fucking happen, folks? He's going to go out there and he's going to get another one because last time I checked, this young man, Gabriel Bofim, he's Brazilian too. We're going to play it again. He's Brazilian too. And last time I checked... That's right, Nano's having to adjust the hair. He's having to fix the hat. He's all flustered, folks, because they're fighting in Brazil. It's a double whammy. I'm going Nicholas Dalby here. Give me the underdog. Love it. You can't deny the facts. You can't defy the MMA gods. Welcome to the darkest year of our adventures. You know what I'm saying? You can't deny that phenomenal theme music. I mean, I don't think we were ready for that. <laughs> Nor were the Brazilian people. My goodness. <laughs> Very persuasive. Very persuasive. I had to gather myself, go. like you mentioned. I am not expecting that. But, uh, man, and you might be a rich man if you put a, a couple unis down. Couple units down on that bet because you be plus four fifty last time I plus checked. Plus four fifty. That is still the case. And that's just money line. <laughs> Jeez. God forbid the man goes out there and gets a finish. But I think money line <laughs> is a safe bet because that's typically what he does. We're talking Warley Alves. We're talking Claudio Silva. We're talking Daniel Rodriguez. We're talking Alex Oliveira. Like, come on. Get about it. That is that is some fair points, brother. You bring up a, a lot of fair points. He also fought Darren Till to a draw back in 2015 when Darren Till was really fucking good. So yeah. Nicholas Dalby is an absolute stud. Oh, and not to mention... Warley Alves he, he beat as well. That's what I'm saying. Warley Alves is a stud, bro. Dude, 
He has a two-inch reach advantage here, too. I think people are sleeping on that. That's a pretty solid reach advantage for somebody who's got hands like Nicholas. And even though he's got a height deficit by, I think, two inches, um, the man has crazy solid spinning back kicks. Uh, Four-inch four inch height def- uh, deficit, actually. Five-nine mm-hmm. coming in against six-one. But still, he is one of those guys that, like, I don't know if you remember, there were a couple of fights where like Derek Lewis would throw a random head kick and you're like, what the fuck? He can get his leg that high? Like, <laughs> yeah, how do you Nicholas Dalby just randomly is like, whoosh, whoosh. his leg just whips up there really quick. So no, I could does. see some crazy stuff happening. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, I got to be honest with you. I think Nicholas Dalby gets it done. He's man. I don't, I don't know what it is, but just, I don't know if he hates Brazilians or what, but he's just <laughs> extra, extra motivated against Brazilian fighters. He goes out there and gets it done every time. So I'm expecting him to go five and zero against uh, Brazilians in the UFC. Wow. That is a good so stat. Fun fact, I right? mean, you got hey, numbers, numbers are numbers. You got to look at the numbers. You got to look at the stats. That's why y'all, if there are two be things that you take away because, from this uh, whole episode and this whole podcast, it's, it's this, the numbers don't lie. And Shakira's hips don't lie. You know what I'm saying? Oh, well, they, yeah, that is a fact. They still don't to this day. To this day. To this day. To this day. <laughs> Deontay to this Wilder, day. man. To this day. Uh, Sh- um, Shakira's hips got me wilder, man. My goodness. It was, hey. uh, <laughs> speaking of uh, getting wilder. We got to jump into this main event. The main event of the evening, folks. We got Jailton Almeida coming in against Derek. His balls was hot, Lewis. Nano, tell us how you're feeling about this. I'm feeling excited about this, man. Just when we had a a fire heavyweight boxing match, now we have a fire heavyweight UFC match. And we had some recent heavyweight news as well that we broke down. Go check that episode out if you haven't yet. But uh, man, a lot of lot of shaking up, a lot of shaking and stirring here in the heavyweight division. But hey, it's always next man up, and nobody's ever more ready and able to get in the octagon any to any day, any time, and and be willing to throw blows. And that's Derek Hotballs Lewis taking this fight, like you mentioned. Curtis Blades had to step out, so we get Gilton Almeida squaring off against Hotballs. I'm going to stick with Jalton Almeida first, the hometown kid, 32 years old, 19 and 2 with 12 submissions. The dude is an absolute juggernaut. I mean, he's built the part. Like we talked about, He's he's looks like a, a comic book character. I mean, this guy can be the Brazilian basher or something like that. Um, but he is definitely poised. If he can get a, a win over a Derek Hopal Lewis, he is right in line uh, to be one of the next title contenders in my opinion early next year even i mean it is right there john jones is out for at least eight months steep is not going to get that chance their ufc is going to hold off for the you know homage of the best heavyweight of all time uh stick so hey run it all these heavyweights this is your time to strike and we're going to see a matchup uh here coming up very soon against some heavyweights and if none of them get hurt, I think they'll want to run it right back and, and keep it active because it's been stale, have not been a lot of champions. And again, you have a lot of savages. And Jalton is a perfect example of uh, something we like to say around here is just that new school, that new age fighter, that new generation of talent that has everything, all the tools in the bag. Again, I mentioned in the beginning here, 12 submissions as a heavyweight fighter and has the power to knock you out if need be. So again, I think he's poised for a, a, to be that next title contender. 
And as much as I love Derek Coppola's Lewis, who has 22 knockouts, most in UFC history. I mean, dude's an absolute savage. Um, 27 wins. I mean, come on. Yeah, he's a legend, Hall of Famer. His 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 uh, place is is written in in stone. But at 38 years old, again, I mean, I just I hate seeing that age difference. And I think at this stage in his career, he just won't have the. I mean, I'll just say Giles is going to come in much quicker. Okay, he's going to hit him with some heavy shots, and he has a, a grappling and and ground game and and clinch game that I just don't think Derek Lewis has an answer for. So. I'll leave it there. I love hot balls, but they're going to be a little bit cooled off this Saturday. And I think uh, Jalton Almeida is going to find a way to squeeze out a victory. Maybe in the first, unless these guys slot off a bit slow because there's some heavy boys. And like we saw this last weekend, when two strikers know that they can get dropped with one punch, you're just not going to see as many risks. You're not going to see as many strikes. Sometimes, you know, power clashes against power and, and you don't see as much explosion. So, with that in mind, I, I think by the second round we can see Jalton Almeida start to put this away. Maybe by maybe by TKO. More likely though, I think he can get him to the ground and submit him. Something crazy. But it's gonna be fun. Tune in now. What are you thinking, brother? Same thing, man. I, th- I think uh when it comes to this fight, Derek Lewis, as much as I'm a fan, as much as I typically like to bet with my heart, I can't let myself bet with my heart in this one. Um Derek Lewis is somebody that is an absolute legend to the sport. Always a fun person on the mic after his fights and before his fights for that matter. And always entertaining in the fight, whether it's faking being hurt so that he can land a big overhand right or just throwing a random flying knee when you don't think it's even possible for a man that big to throw a flying knee so gracefully. Uh, Either way, the man goes out there and puts on an absolute show. I think this time he's... He's going to be the nail instead of the hammer when it comes to this equation, folks. As unfortunate as it is, this is simply the way the news goes. This is the way the sport goes. And this is the way it's going to go on Saturday night when it comes to him facing Jailton Almeida. Jailton Almeida is an absolute phenom when it comes to the sport. He's burst onto the scene in recent years. Still very young, sitting at 32 years of age, 19-2. and He's got 12 submissions, 7 KOs to his name. By the way, he's beaten folks like Anton Turkalj, talking about the Pleasure Man, uh, Jarzinho Rosenstruck, Pacaporta, Danilo Marquez, the list goes on. And the difference between him and most of these prospects that make it to the UFC, folks, is this. He made it to the UFC with all this hype behind him, and since making it to the UFC, it has only continued to get better. Since making it to the UFC, the man has strung together not one, not two, not three, not four, but five back-to-back victories and not only that but five back-to-back finishes the man goes out there and he gets it done very quickly most of the time he's finishing in the very very first round so looking at this man's trajectory he's got a very long career ahead of him because he doesn't take a whole lot of damage in fact in his five ufc fights the man has fought less than one whole championship fight worth so he's fought less than five full ufc rounds in five fights Come the fuck on, folks. The man's a stud. Bonkers. That's bonkers. He's literally like just just shy of a 25-minute fight. And what's crazy is there's a Sergey Pavlovich, there's a Tom Tommy Aspinall, all these dudes, like they don't they don't sniff a lot of time in there, brother. They're out there. They get if you would think they're getting paid by the second. <laughs> I was gonna say they don't get they don't get paid by the um by the minute, they get paid by the job. 
And they're out there to finish that job very quickly. Very quickly. As quick as possible. So, I mean, good on them for taking the fight. I hope Derek Lewis gets paid very, very handsomely. But um, I think Jalton Almeida is going to just notch this one onto the the list of heads that he seems to be hanging on his wall and his mantle. And it'll be on to the next one for him. Realistically, I expect us to be here on Monday bright and early or, or rather nice and late in the evening, 8 p.m., Pacific Standard Time, uh, going over our kind of reaction to these fights, what we think should happen next. And I likely think that we'll be picking out a new opponent for Jonathan Almeida. Well, like I said, I mean, that that opponent might be, pre, or I should say, should be TBD, depending on a winner of a potential heavyweight uh, championship bout because again I think Jailton's that good especially if Steve yeah. Bay and John Jones are out of the question these are the guys and this is the guy if he could go out and beat a Giles, uh beat a Derek Lewis and, I mean if he could finish him that's 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 in and of itself worthy I think of that oh absolutely I mean if that's the case then without a shadow of a doubt you know he's got to get the winner of the fight that happens the very next Saturday, which we're going to be going over in seven days from right now. Exactly. Uh, probably around exactly. this exact time, we'll be talking about that fight. Talking Let's about go. Sergey Pavlovich fighting against Tom Aspinall, folks. Exactly. That happens in seven days. Well, not seven days, but we'll be talking about it in seven days. Hey, man, timing's everything. Like I mentioned, the, the stars are aligning for Gileton and a potential Sergey or our boy Tommy Aspinall. Boy, oh, I can't. Can you imagine Tommy? Tom Aspinall is the champion, potentially. He's got a tough matchup in front of him, though, brother. Yeah, I can't wait to break that down. Y'all better tune in next week. But next, make yeah, sure next you tune in Saturday. Fire episode. Oh, baby. But yeah, I get already got this a haircut Saturday. lined up for it, bro. You know. Jeez. You already know. Oh, my hair's growing, man. It's going to be, I'm going to have an afro by then. Woo, <laughs> I will wear the go, hat baby. next week, so I'll have it showcased. You have to change his name to uh, Jive Turkey Samson. <laughs> Gets Samson. his power from his hair. There you go. Come on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I, I'm, I'm not in disagreement. I realistically think it'll be an easy one for us next week on Monday. Jonathan Almeida will get the winner of Sergey Pavlovich versus Tom Aspinall. Um, and I think we're going to have a lot of other really, really fun ones to talk about, man. We got Matt Favola coming in against Benoit St. Denise. Diego, where are you? Lopez coming in against Pat Sabatini. Uh, we got Yiri <laughs> Prakaska coming in against Alex Pereira. We're talking about a fucking comic book fight in that one, folks. Tabitha Baby Shark Ricci coming in against Lupe Goldinez. Man, I mean, the list goes on. And on. Uh, so I'm super stoked about it, folks. I think it's going to be an absolute banger of a card. And um, I can't wait to watch. I'm excited, brother. Let's go. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your time, man. This is a fun one. And again, Brazil, a lot of talent, man. This is These are a lot of fighters that, again, are not necessarily household names just yet. But we're going to be hearing about them a lot to come. So tune in. Get ahead of it, y'all, so you could show off to your friends and family about, oh, I know this guy. I've seen this guy. He's a stud. Put some money on him. Let's go. Absolutely, folks. And uh, make sure you tune in next Monday. So Monday, we will be doing a little 
two-sectional white. We'll be going over our breakdown of the cards, our prediction for what should be next, or rather our opinion of what should be next for these fighters, mainly for the winners, biggest winners of the card. And then, of course, we're going to have a little bit of a fantasy football sectional with Nano obviously taking the lead here. He's the pro. I'm the schmo when it comes to that. Um, He's going to be giving us his best waiver wire picks for Monday following directly that Monday night game. Uh, It might even still be going on whenever we first start the episode, so stay tuned for that. Nano's definitely going to have to do his homework next week, folks, putting him on the hot seat here. And if you haven't already, whether you're new here, old here, returning, we would really appreciate it. If you like, comment, subscribe, smash that bell for notifications, and make sure you tune in Monday and Wednesday next week, where we will continue to do what we do, and hopefully you continue to do what you do, which is enjoy the show and keep that passion for mixed martial arts alive, folks. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.